Hello and welcome to Talking With Me, our quickfire chat with business leaders. I'm Jane O'Gorman and I'm very pleased today to welcome Catherine Barnard, partner at Working the Future. Hi Kat, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, pleasure to be here. Great. Kat, as an, as an expert in, in helping business leaders design, build and optimise lean and agile organisations, you must be very aware of the demands on business to survive and thrive, particularly in the 2020s and the challenges of market disruptors that lie downstream. We have seen only too well an example of this over the past year with COVID. Can you explain for us, please, um, foresight focus and why it's important for business leaders to have? Thanks, Jane. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So foresight focus is, um, for us, foresight focus is uh, something that every business leader in the 2020s needs to have. And, and, And bluntly, that is the ability to foresee the range of factors that are changing our working environments and plan accordingly for them as best as is possible. So I think the one thing that we know about the commercial world in the 2020s is that the twin forces of globalization and hyperconnectivity mean that we now operate in highly complex commercial environments. Yeah. And it's almost impossible really, to, to see um, the range, the full suite of trends that are reshaping and recalibrating our commercial worlds. And so we developed the service of Foresight Focus to provide business leaders with the essential insights um, so that strategic teams can, can plan more carefully whilst appraised of a fuller broader range of, of feed-in factors. That's really interesting. And and from your detailed research, Kat, can, can you provide some examples of, of trends that are likely to reshape work in the 2020s? Yeah, for sure. Um, so straight off the bat, uh, we were already experiencing the uh, foothills of the fragmentation of work brought about by um, ever-increasing automation and um, robotic and artificial intelligence coming onto the market, which fundamentally changes the, the tasks that humans do in the workplace. Um, another, so technology being, being one factor, um, mm. globalization and, and hyperconnectivity, which is what I'd mentioned before, even prior to the pandemic, we were seeing an uptick, a mass uptick in demand for flexible working, which I know is a topic close to your heart, Jane, um, from from younger generations in particular. And so um, changing socio-cultural attitudes towards work is something that we track closely. Um, we also have uh, changing workforce demographics. So global, uh, glo- the global population is slowly aging, and that has a big impact on on the workforces of the future. And then we've got larger 
bluntly more existential threats such as climate change and resource depletion. So there's there's a whole bunch of of big trends that are that are reshaping uh, what what people want from work in the 2020s and and business leaders need to need to know what's going on if they want to continue to access the the skills and the talents and the capabilities that they need to to grow their organizations yeah absolutely and that's a lot to think about and interesting to hear about <clears throat> the complexity of those of those trends what what are your thoughts on the shifting attitude towards work and and how can businesses adapt to accommodate the preferences, hopes and aspirations of divergent demographics, would you say? Gosh, there's there's lots going on. Um, and I think where we need to start with that is just by acknowledging and appreciating that our mental models with regards to work haven't updated um, in, in step with uh generational differences so we still for instance a really good example is we still think that the office is where work happens and of course the last uh, 15 months have shown us that work in fact can happen from from anywhere with a broadband connection Mm -hmm. but um i think young people younger people entering the workforce they're far more socially and environmentally aware um, and of course, you know the, the the crisis points in in the environmental crisis, and and indeed some of the some of the social injustices injustices I beg your pardon that are um, in play today, you know, are being played out on online twenty four seven three six five. So yeah. one of one of the overarching uh, trends that we see is that is that people want and expect businesses and business leaders to step up and be a force for good in the world. So there's much more pressure on organizations in the 2020s to stand for something and to to be a force for good in the world. And, And because over the last 10 years, the the perception of permanent work and and work stability has has altered um people will vote with their feet if they don't feel that they're getting what they want from their workplace and so to that extent we feel that the the psychological contract um that a company's work has shifted we we're not in a employer-led market anymore regardless of um, employment or unemployment, I think the stakes have changed. And I think that employers today are judged on a wider range of metrics. And of mm. course, if you're not aware of that as an employer, and you're not tailoring your working environment and your culture to to those dynamics, fundamentally, a key risk is that you're going to increase your likelihood of of a revolving door of talent talent won't stick around and 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 it doesn't you know the interesting thing is that we're not engaging in enough workplace dialogue to understand the wants and needs of every single participant to the workforce and and so people leave 
without a conversation even having taken place about what a what any sense of dis, dissatisfaction might entail um works just become far more transactional in that regard I think mm. that's really interesting and there's so many positives in that I guess in terms of thinking about um purpose and 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 having um you know that that sense of thinking about the employee base and it not being a one-way conversation you know because when you think about conversation you assume it's a something that happens between two parties but yeah. having that perhaps that balance now that says actually this isn't one-way traffic there is a people balance as well as a work-life balance in the yeah. sense of what communication means so hopefully um, that must be good but I guess business leaders need to be aware of that to stay ahead and to mitigate risk, as you say, of possibly losing good talent for other business leaders who are already ahead of the game. Um, yeah, listening. I think 100%. And I think, you know, a uh, couple of key points that I would make on this score is, you know, I think um, work is no longer about salary and benefits singularly. Uh, people today want more out yeah. of their workplace than they perhaps uh, wanted previously or felt able to express previously. Um, and so I think meaning and purpose and sense of fulfillment and alignment with personal values, those are far more um center stage than than ever before and I think also a key point to note is that you know as human beings as a species we're social creatures and and the most foundational requirement that we feel as social creatures is is to feel seen and heard and to feel listened to so for me I think all good team dynamics, which bluntly feeds into organizational future-proofing, all good team dynamics start with a participative, mutually inclusive conversation. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, which on the one hand seems really simple, logical, straightforward, etc. And yet we live in this always-on digital world where we're continuously broadcasting soundbite messages to one another and that's one-way traffic because we're not listening as much as we should be listening yeah yeah absolutely and as you say the access point because we are we're surrounded now and we have that capability of touching in at any point in any time and particularly I think you 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 mentioned Kat you know thinking about the younger dem demographic and how they are um, and their technical abilities or how they operate is is so different, perhaps from how we might have been, you know, when we kickstarted out in our career. And I guess it's about understanding the needs and preferences of the different demographics and how people work in order to be successful and get the best out of of teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you hear regularly, um, you know, business leaders will say things like. Uh, I hate generalizing, but, you know, you hear quite regularly people say, oh, these young kids, they don't know how to work. They're coming into the workplace. They're not prepared for work, blah, blah, blah. Mm. 
actually, I feel very, very strongly that it is our moral imperative as the older generation to take a young person as a as a blank canvas and role model what we believe good to look like. And, yeah. you know, these kids are hyper-connected. They, they are very digitally um, savvy. But, you know, the flip side of growing up digital is that you don't perhaps, you haven't experienced the benefits and the value of wholehearted, two-way, in-person conversation. And you perhaps don't know what, benefits and what feel-good factors that brings to a relationship and so you know I kind of feel it's not enough to say oh these kids aren't coming to us you know with the right skills and aptitudes it's our job it you know as the grown-ups in the room it's our job to set our stalls out and and demonstrate through our behavior what good looks like and actually the really ironic and sad thing about that is we're hearing all the time about young people experiencing mental health challenges and Mm. I wholeheartedly believe that much of that could be solved if we engaged in better mutually exclusive conversation yeah it's that two-way process again, isn't it? And as you say, listening mm. and mm. leading by example, as you know, it's, it's not a given. Very good advice. If you could offer one other piece of advice to business leaders as they plan and prepare for working the future, or indeed the now of work as we see it, what would it be, Kat? I think that it's, it's no longer possible for one brain to keep track of everything that's playing out in real time that influences business today and keep delivering business. So I think that, you know, business owners and business leaders need to form um, better collaborations with uh, which which uh, integrate a wider set of perspectives um, for better strategic decision-making, which is kind of why we set up Working the Future. We believe that by delivering bite-sized insights to business leaders, we can um, provide a a wider suite of trend intelligence to enable better strategic decision making. I think trying to do it all on your own is kind of obsolete. You know, there's too much going on out in the marketplace now for one brain to, to keep track of everything that's going on. And so we need to start thinking very differently about how we access and process information that can change the fabric of our business and how we leverage our relationships to enable collective intelligence for organizational future-proofing. That's a great piece of advice, Kat, and um, I'm all for 
collaboration and collective gathering of information. So I think that's some very useful input. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kat, and for this valuable chat. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jane. I look forward to doing it again at some stage. I hope so. <laughs> and to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our Talking Me. Look out for future episodes coming soon.